Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Police lost their lives as a result of that day. Police lost their lives. One of the officers said it was worse than anything he had experienced in war in Iraq. Let me say this to my MAGA Republican friends in Congress. Don't tell me you support law enforcement if you won't condemn what happened on the 6th. Don't tell me. Can't do it. For God's sake, whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? Now, that's part of Joe Biden's speech in Pennsylvania, which dovetails to his speech in Maryland, where he's talking about people who support Trump as semi-fascist. And it's strange that he says that he has MAGA Republican friends when he's calling people who might support Trump or make America great again or anything he disagrees with as fascists. How is it not exactly like Hillary Clinton referring to those who support Trump in a basket of deplorables? And she meant, of course, those who disagree with her or who aren't voting for her. Tony Katz, great to be with you. Tony Katz today. Michael Walsh joins me right now, the author, the screenwriter. His latest book, Against the Great Reset, 18 Theses Contra the New World Order. It is available for pre-order at Amazon.com. It comes out on October 18th. He has long been writing about the attack on Western civilization and culture. Uh, uh, the Devil's Pleasure Palace, The Fiery Angel, books of his. You can get at Amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. And uh, I have been discussing, Michael, that... When you hear this talk from Biden, when you hear this talk that is uh, also uh, approved of by the entirety of the Democratic Party, we're in a much different place than a disagreement on policy. The plan is to make the claim that anybody who disagrees with the intelligentsia, anybody who disagrees with what is the acceptable position as they try to describe it, is, of course, an enemy and somebody who has to be destroyed. Why else call people fascists? But this seems to play in very well with conversations you engage uh, about the desire to destroy Western civilization. You've been watching the president make these claims. What's your take on it? Well, Tony, thanks for having me on. Uh, Joe Biden is a very, very dangerous man uh, and is exactly the wrong man to have in the White House at this point in the nation's history. Uh, because he's a very, very stupid man, and he's also a very, very angry, frustrated little man who doesn't think the world appreciates him. And now that he's made it all the way to the White House, he believes that he's, like Fredo Corleone, is entitled to some respect because he's smart. He's not dumb like other people say he is. Unfortunately, he's not only dumb, but he's evil. And you see in the way he speaks of half of the country now just how nasty, twisted, and bitter this man actually is. 
He came to us uh, at the inaugural and said that uniting the country was in, quote, his whole soul. And yet we have this continued conversation, this continued push from the party uh, about this level of division. Of course, this division is what he's trying to exacerbate going in uh, to a midterm. But there's something greater that, that happens here. In that you're not just talking about trying to win an election, you're talking about trying to get people to believe that those who disagree with you are indeed the enemy versus people who have a disagreement with you. Uh, People argue, well, that's exactly what you see on the right. My argument has been that the right has only recently done this because they're exhausted by what the left is doing. This tactic isn't actually new from the left, is it? No, no. They've been after this for a long time. I've been writing about it for as long as you and I have known each other and even longer. Uh, They don't believe our side is legitimate and they want it stamped out. They don't want dissent. They don't like this idea that people can disagree. They want everyone to agree with them. This is very clear. And Biden's choice of the word fascism is interesting to me. Just two things have happened in the last week, uh, a couple weeks ago anyway. I was thinking about how it was uh, 30 plus years at this very time of year that I left the Soviet Union for the last time. And about a week later, the coup against Gorbachev was staged and it failed, as you may recall, although that was the beginning of the end for him. And then now, of course, he's he died yesterday. Uh, so my mind went back to, to those days in Germany and in the Soviet Union. Uh, fascism is a term the left throws around a lot, but they don't understand it. Uh, it's actually a term that describes people on the left. Uh, it started with Mussolini, who was uh, so radical that he was kicked out of the young socialist movement in Italy and started his own extreme form of what was called national socialism. And it was imitated by Hitler who implemented uh, uh, an even more viciously effective version of it uh, in Germany than Mussolini was able to do in Italy. Let's find it really quickly. It's the combination of the government and private industry to run the country. And so in a country such as Germany, that would have been the Krups and the Thyssen's and the National Socialist government in the uh, the, the Reichstag. In the United States, it's Google and Facebook uh, and the Justice Department and the FBI and the White House. What's the difference, Tony? The difference is nil, uh, especially when you see how uh, Google Play will not allow President Trump's uh, social media network, True Social, to be on the platform. And you see the work of ESG, Environment Social uh, Governance, governance take place where you have banks and others who say, well, we won't loan to you unless you follow these criteria. We won't work with you unless you follow uh, these uh, criteria. Talking to Michael Walsh, screenwriter and author, his new book, Against the Great Reset, 18 18- DC's Contra, the New World Order, which is available for pre-order at Amazon.com. It, it becomes, uh, it goes live, if you will, on October 18th. All of this, Michael, seems to connect to things that you have been talking about, as, as you said, for years regarding the Frankfurt School and uh, th- this this concept, the, these ph- theories of, of social theory and critical philosophy. I would like for you to get into a breakdown of what the Frankfurt School is and how these things are applying. 
Well, it, Francis schools, you know, it's highly complicated. But the simple, simple version, which they'd admit to, the simplicity of it, is something called critical theory. And critical theory is simply this, that everything you don't like as a Central European communist should be criticized, attacked, and destroyed. Every institution is subject to removal. And we thought they were kidding. We thought they were a bunch of crazy old German guys uh, who had been ironically rescued from Hitler by the United States. Uh, And then they come here and they deliver this to our country. Uh, Their pernicious philosophy, which was very, very uh, popular when I was in college back in the 1960s, has really taken over the Democrats completely. And they have that same fascist impulse, which is to stamp out any opposition at all. And with Biden, you have a man who's demented. Uh, as long as I'm insulting people, I might as well insult my own ethnic group and say that the old joke is Irish Alzheimer's is when you only remember the grudges. That's Biden for you. He, he only remembers all the slights and the fact that people have said he's stupid and Obama famously saying you could always count on Joe to you know what up. Uh, and now he's getting his revenge. He's an old man. He's bitter. He's got very few years left and he's going to take it out on us. But he's been uh, infused with the spirit of critical theory. And he now attacks the very institution in which he has spent his entire life, except for the last few years, which is the United States Senate and, by extension, the United States government. It's it is frightening to watch. And and I don't lie when I say I am uh, this latest round of talk. I've engaged the idea that it's clear to me that Biden and uh, through extension, his press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, the the head of the DNC, uh, those uh, like minded folk in media on MSNBC and CNN. uh, This is about ginning up a country. This is about having a very, very rough midterm election. This isn't about trying to say, well, they're like this and we're like that. And and we have different philosophies. This is about uh, de- trying to dehumanize a whole set of people. So therefore, anything you do against them is therefore good. There's something moral engaged in you going at people you disagree with because their disagreement is based in, as the Colorado Secretary of State candidate uh, Democrat uh, said, uh, th- those Republicans will take away your right to vote. Uh, uh, you have Lizzo, uh, the, the, the singer, the, the, the uh, entertainer, uh, saying at the MTV Music Awards, uh, can we get rid of some of these laws that are oppressing us? She is a black woman being celebrated where she has millions of followers and making millions of dollars, but she's still arguing that she's being uh, oppressed by American laws. So when we first, I worry about violence that could very well take place in the election, because that seems to me what the president and others are ginning up and then you have this this nonsense that they believe that what what we are is the thing that's oppressive versus trying to tell people that they don't have a right to exist well we saw uh, what comes of telling people they don't have a right to exist in 1930s in germany uh and how evil and how quickly nasty and murderous that can turn. And the left is playing with fire here. I have last year, as you know, you and I had lunch last year together in uh, in Indianapolis, and I was on a trip across the United States, and I spent four months 
in my car going all over this country. It really is going to be the last time that I will do that in my life. And I wanted to sort of say goodbye to America and also take the temperature. And I know a lot of people on the right are saying, we won't put up with it, we won't stand for it, we're going to fight. But you know what the truth is, Tony? You're not going to fight. That they're going to win. And people have to really, really think very carefully about the consequences of, of a victory by the left. Uh, our, our mutual friend, Kurt Schlichter, has just written a book about America and how we'll be back. And Kurt and I disagree about that. I'm not sure we will be back. I don't think the country's going to exist in the form that it now inhabits. Uh, and I'll be writing about it at my site, the-pipeline.org. Uh, every week now, I'm um, doing a series on the Constitution. And I think we have to face the fact that we may be at the end of the American experiment. One thing I do want to say, though, to everybody who's listening who's on the right, who's conservative, who loves this country, every time the left says something about, quote, our democracy, you respond with our republic. Because there is a big difference between a democracy and a republic, and it's been lost, and it needs to be refound very quickly. Talking to Michael Walsh, uh, his latest book, Against the Great Reset, 18 Theses Contra the New World Order. You can pre-order that at Amazon.com. It's available uh, all over on October 18th. I talk about Frankfurt School which is a conversation in in many respects about marxism and cultural marxism and and this this very idea of trying to tear down western civilization i understand the argument that you're making about are we at the end of the american experiment i understand kurt uh, very very well who uh, wants to to in- engage the idea that we do have the ability to make uh, things better but it's by identifying the fact that that there are enemies. And this is where it gets kind of complicated because the left is saying that the right is your enemy and needs to be destroyed. The right is saying that the left is your enemy based on their theories and philosophies that don't allow the country to prosper. So if if you are adopting the Schlichter, the Schlichterian view, I don't know if that's the proper use of the word, how do you go about selling that? Because how do you go about selling the idea that you need to fight when you have people who are very fine, just like we saw at the Florida Republican headquarters, the vandalism there, gluing the doors shut. We see the violence that takes place on the streets. Their response is always, well, what about January 6th? How do you sell that argument to America if the objective, and it would, I would argue that it would be mine, you got to at least give it the shot. Uh, you know, you got to have the last stand. Uh, well, I think we have the last stand. I think it was called the election of 2020. Uh, and and I, I, I just don't see it happening, Tony. They, they, the left is, uh, as you know, in the Devil's Pleasure Palace, I refer to them as satanic with a small s uh, because they hate everything and they want their revenge on a world that, that doesn't appreciate them or a, or a God who uh, they have rebelled against. Uh, they... They believe they're right. They believe we have no right to fight back. And so if you argue on the left, these are your enemies, kill them, which is basically what they are now moving towards. And let's be very clear about what the president just said. He called you fascists. And those are, from anyone who's old enough to remember certainly the post-World War II era, those are fighting words. 
uh, and you come back and say, no, actually, we both love America, but we just disagree on how it's going to be run. You're going to lose that fight and you're going to lose it every single Michael Walsh is his name. Uh, the book, uh, The Great uh, Reset, or actually Against the Great Reset. You can find that at Amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. Some great people who have uh, written these uh, theses uh, uh, about Against the Great Reset. One of them is James Polis, who is... Just a brain and a half. I've known him for, for, for years and just uh, from the early days. But just uh, somebody you want to read. Somebody you want to read, uh, check out the book. Michael, I appreciate you being with us. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. I'm out of my head, out of my mind. Why? If you let me that the DOJ is saying that there's no need for Trump to have a special master. Nobody has to go look at what it is uh, you know, we took from uh, Mar-a-Lago because we looked at it all already. You looked at it already. Well, what about those things that were covered by attorney-client privilege? Doesn't matter. We looked at those things. And as a matter of fact, we think it's likely Trump was concealing evidence uh, at, uh, at Mar-a-Lago in violation of a grand jury subpoena. Likely? Likely, and I'm quoting here, concealed and removed from the storage room and that efforts were likely taken to obstruct the government's investigation. Likely? You, you want us to believe you. You want us to have faith that you, the DOJ, are acting in good faith and say, when you say likely, we should just take your word for it? Is this a serious argument? Oh, God! Likely, do you get to charge the president of the United States based on likely? What is what? I don't know what to do with the information except to laugh and say, I don't want to hear about likely. You want to charge him with a crime? Go ahead. What are you doing? You take documents based on a warrant that says you're looking for fruits of crime. I mean, how much more broad based could something be? And then. You have documents that you didn't put into the initial receipt of property. Those documents could be something that's covered by attorney-client privilege. I don't know exactly what. And you tell Trump, well, nah, don't worry about it. We've already covered it. And you tell the judge there's no need for a special master because that could affect our investigation. You can hate Trump all you want, but he doesn't have rights because it could affect how you do your job and you want us to trust somebody who's saying likely? I'm just saying the, the rule of law should matter and doesn't uh, doesn't look like it does. The more the FBI moves, the more Trump gets to make his case to the American people. I mean, unless this is the plan, this is a weird plan. This is Tony Katz today. Guess what? We took on the NRA and we're going to take him on again and we won and we will win again. But we're not stopping here. I'm determined to ban assault weapons in this country. Determined. I did it once before. 
And I'll do it again. For many of you home, I want to be clear. It's not about taking away anybody's guns. In fact, we should be treating responsible gun owners as examples how every gun owner should behave. I have two shotguns at home. I can't, it's a long story, but I not oppose the guns. But I support the Second Amendment, and I support the Second Amendment. But the Second Amendment, as one of the most, one of the most conservative justices in history, Justice Scalia once wrote, like, quote, like most rights, the rights granted by the Second Amendment are not unlimited. They're not unlimited. Does anybody believe that Joe Biden actually has a warm spot in his heart for lawful gun owners, the millions of them out there, the millions of firearms uh, that they have? Does anyone believe that Joe Biden could actually define what an assault weapon is? Yeah, I don't believe he can either. Tony Katz, great to be with you guys. Tony Katz today, that's the name of the show. Find everything, TonyKatz.Locals.com. Cam Edwards joins us right now. He is the editor-in-chief of BearingArms.com, B-E-A-R-I-N-G, BearingArms.com. And Biden has decided that as part of this push, uh, Cam, on uh, 2022, on the midterms, uh, guns, never mind just calling people fascists, right? He disagrees with me you're a fascist but guns are a good thing to campaign on and he's going to go to maryland and he's going to hold up larry hogan the governor in high esteem and all of a sudden lawful gun owners like you and me are in high esteem unless of course uh, we ask you to define what assault weapon is and then you, you tell us that we're back in the fascist category uh can you take any part of what biden's saying with any level of seriousness uh, I, I listen. I believe he's serious about wanting to ban modern sporting rifles. I, I take him at his word at that. Uh, but as far as you know, the rest of his argument, no. I think it's a fundamentally unserious argument. Uh, I think this is done to distract from inflation, from the economic worries that we all have. And you know, from a political perspective, Tony, I don't know how it's going to play out, but I can tell you from a public safety perspective uh, and from a constitutional perspective, you know, going after. The most commonly sold rifles in the country is a terrible, terrible idea. The argument seems to be, as as you, you watch him play it out and you watch uh, so much of where the commentary is going on a lot of... Uh, 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 Non-Fox cable news, I guess is the way I, I, I would put it. Your argument is that the Constitution protects these things, and their argument is uh, the Constitution, uh, man, that thing's over 100 years old. Uh, there's this very, very loud push to saying, let's forget about this. It mm-hmm. seems that he's trying to, to split the baby and saying, I support, uh, uh, you know, uh, smart, sensible gun ownership, but not this thing over over here that that's lip service uh, more than anything else because he's part of a party that doesn't believe in the rights uh, to be to begin with. What we, we've seen in New York uh, that you have the governor there saying, well, just because we lost a major a Supreme Court battle doesn't mean we're still going to try and keep guns uh, from you. As a matter of fact, we'll check your social media accounts to see if you can have uh, a firearm. What are you seeing out there where people are trying to find new creative, inventive ways to tell lawful gun owners to go to hell? Well, as you say, they are coming up with all kinds of uh, new and creative ways to deny that our right to keep their arms is a real right. And that's what this is about. Look, I understand that Democrats, they don't care much about the Constitution. The the constitutional argument uh, falls short uh, with them. It, it shouldn't, but it does. But here's the thing, Tony. You know, I, I can argue against a gun ban on non-constitutional grounds. 
I mean, the fact of the matter is that rifles of any kind, not just semi-automatic rifles, but rifles of any kind, are used in a fraction of violent crimes in this country, a small number. There are more people murdered by fists or feet or by hammers or other blunt objects than rifles of any kind. So if this is a public safety argument, then Biden's already lost because we can't ban our way to safety here. You know, most guns that are used in crimes are handguns. The Supreme Court has already said you can't ban handguns. And there's no desire uh, in this country on the part of Americans to ban handguns. But if you listen to Biden's rhetoric yesterday, is very emotional. Uh, and it was all about, listen, if you don't want to see children murdered in their classrooms, then you've got to support this ban. Now, we know, Tony, that the last time we had an assault weapons ban in place, it didn't stop school shootings. Columbine happened in 1999, smack dab in the middle of that 10-year ban on the sale of so-called assault weapons and large-capacity magazines. So don't tell me that we're going to protect our kids by banning guns right, that are owned by millions of law-abiding Americans. That's not the way to protect our children. That takes us further away from the type of solutions that actually will work. The Secret Service wrote a report, I think it was two years ago, specifically looking at targeted school attacks. They found that over 90% of these attacks, the, the attacker had communicated their threats beforehand. There was a chance to stop these things from happening, not by banning guns, not by criminalizing legal gun owners, not by demonizing the NRA but by focusing on those troubled individuals and ensuring that there is an adequate response, either through law enforcement, the mental health services, the educational system, when those threats are identified. But, you know, again, this isn't I, – I, I honestly don't think this is about public safety. This is about politics for Joe Biden. And it's sad because, again, what Democrats are trying to do, take us further away from real solutions to protect our kids and protect the public. Talking to Cam Edwards. He is the editor-in-chief at BearingArms.com. Let me give you another piece of Joe Biden speaking at this rally in Pennsylvania. Over 48,000 people died from gunshot wounds in 2021 in the United States of America. Over 26,000 by suicide. When guns are the number one killer, listen to this, now, the guns are the number one killer of children in America, of children and number one. More children die, die from guns than active duty police and active duty military personnel combined. Hear that again? More children in America die from guns than active duty police and active duty military. In the Does he have the data right here? On guns and children? If you define children up to the age 19, uh, then yes. Most people I know would call a 19-year-old an adult. Uh, but that is the statistic. Zero to 19, the number one cause of death among uh, children and adolescents last year was firearms. Closely followed, I believe, by uh, traffic fatalities. Uh, but, you know, Tony, here's the thing. Again, you can stretch these statistics, right? If you if you make the cutoff 18, all of a sudden that number changes. If you make the cutoff 17, that number changes again. Uh, what what Biden is talking about and really was driving that, that number that he discussed is violent crime. We're talking about gang-related shootings, drug-related shootings, you know, young criminals, basically, who are engaging in an increasing number of carjackings, home invasions, and violent crime. Juvenile crime is up by a lot in a, in a number of cities around the country right now. Uh, and again, the way to address that is not through gun control. 
But you notice as well that Biden did a couple of things here, right? He talked about the overall number of gun deaths. He then talked about suicides. He then threw out the number of kids who are dying. All of this related to a ban on so-called assault weapons. And as I just mentioned, those guns aren't used in a lot of crimes. They're not used in a lot of suicides. They aren't found in a lot of accidental shootings. So Biden is completely conflating these issues here. And his proposed solution is meaningless when it comes to addressing the very things that he talked about. What's going to be more effective if you want to reduce the number of suicides in this country? Banning AR-15s or improving access to mental health? So now we are left with what is the, the, the future here? on the second amendment and this talking point uh, that biden now wants to present that there's the right way to do it and then the bad way uh, to to do it and if you don't agree with me you're in favor of the bad uh, way uh, to 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 do it. it it would there's the push to make this an election topic and, there, and there's a question of whether or not we think this is a, an electric topic that's going to move people do we think the the second amendment or gun rights uh, are are something that moves people to to this midterm but then there's the realization i mean when you've got a, a guy in a party that is so willing to say if you disagree with me you're a fascist if you disagree with me uh you're you're destroying a democracy if you disagree with me uh not the republic democracy if, if you disagree with me uh you're 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 an enemy and and you shouldn't be allowed to have a job or be on social media or do anything else um is, is this the play we're now going to start seeing? Is this the natural progression of people who refuse to accept the fact that people may disagree with them is to uh, further demonize and end their ability to even participate in the public square? Well, listen, that's happening on a bipartisan basis, as you well know, right? And when the political discussion turns into fascists versus commies, I don't think it uh, suits the republic well at all. But you're right. Joe Biden and the Democrats, this is part of their game plan. Uh, and, you know, Biden yesterday talking about, uh, well, you know, if you want to take on the government, you need an F-15. Why on earth is Biden talking like that? You know, if, if, if Biden is concerned, we've seen these polls suggesting that maybe 40 percent of Americans think we're headed towards a civil war. Why is the president trying to de-escalate the rhetoric? Why is he trying to talk about coming together as Americans instead of, again, trying to divide us? So, yeah, the, the, the man has not met the moment, unfortunately, in the White House. Um, you know, we do not have the president that we need. We do not have the leadership that we need in Washington, D.C. right now. And I think things are only going to continue to get worse because this is part of the Democratic playbook. And it's, look, it's, it's, it's part of the political playbook overall. Demonize your political opponents. Uh, don't allow them to be human. Don't allow them uh, to, to have their own feelings or their own opinions. If they disagree with you, uh, they're not just wrong. They're the enemy. And yeah, that is the playbook that Democrats are running right now. Uh, allow me to disagree with you uh, on something because I will discuss communism here and I do often and I discuss people like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and I, I, I say that without shame. I say that without uh, uh, apology. When you take a look at their desires for government control when you take a look at their desires for for full on government health care or, or uh, how they want to engage government in, in the banking industry, how they want to uh, follow and track every purchase uh, that, that, you, that you make 
uh, I can make the argument cogently that their policies are those uh, of communists, as opposed to the inability for anybody to make the argument that because I support the Second Amendment or I support uh, the idea, for example, if I supported tariffs as a way of bringing about better trade deals, uh, that uh, therefore uh, I'm a fascist. Or if I think that January 6th was a riot and not an insurrection, uh, therefore I'm a fascist. That Those are two very different thoughts and they're, and two very different monikers and, and for, for different levels of application. I'm wrong? Officials like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. I mean, you know, Tony, listen. If, if you can't acknowledge that both sides play this game where we demonize everybody else on the other side rather than focusing on individuals like Elizabeth Warren or like Bernie Sanders, who, as you say, absolutely express communistic ideas, but both sides take these shortcuts. And, and I think it's wrong to deny that that happens. It's also wrong to do it, and the Democrats are doing it. But listen, I live in a country, I live in a county, I should say, that is roughly 50-50. We were one of those counties that went for Obama and then went for Trump. And I can tell you, I know plenty of Democrats who I live near, who are my neighbors, who are my friends, who aren't communists. They're, they're, they're not. And I'm not a fascist. And they don't call me a fascist, and I don't call them a communist. That We disagree with each other politically. But our political disagreements don't resemble the type of political disagreements that we see in Washington, D.C. Now, that much is true, right? Well, I, I've made this argument many times. Where we are with our neighbors, right, is very different than what we see on cable news. But when I have the president referring to half the country as fascist, semi-fascist, which my argument has been I do not know what semi-fascist means. I think, it, you know, I'm excited, but I could use a little more foreplay. Uh, that's what I think semi-fascist is is coming from uh, but when you see that and then you see the next day the attack on the florida gop headquarters uh right of the vandalism and the doors glued together uh, i don't know how you don't argue a level of correlation between the two well there may very well be a level of correlation between the two i mean listen i'm not denying that the rhetoric coming out from the left is bad for this country but I think we're seeing, you know, a lot of that again all over the place. I, I, I worry that, uh, frankly, you know, across the political spectrum, there is more of a desire to punish your political enemies than there is to figure out a way to better uh, your party, better your community, better your country. Uh, and, you know, I don't think that serves us well at all, quite frankly. I'm a little concerned about the authoritarian impulses across the political spectrum. Well, on that, I won't disagree with you. His name is Cam Edwards. You can find his work at BearingArms.com, B-E-A-R-I-N-G, BearingArms.com. Find him on Twitter at Cam Edwards, E-D-W-A-R-D-S. Cam, it's always a pleasure, man. We've got more. I'm Tony Katz. So how weird it is that this is... My last show, calm down, not my last, last show. My last show for Emmis. The last show for Emmis as the stations get sold today and tomorrow, uh, we are an Urban One property. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. It's weird. It is weird. I mean, in in my in my real radio career, in terms of um, paid professional radio career, as opposed to me, you know, trying to find my way, uh, Emmis gave me my start uh, on KFTK when they owned it in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, Jeff Allen. I, I was somebody who was filling in regularly for Dana Lash. 
And I got the opportunity to do weekends in St. Louis. And that led to learning about the opportunity at IBC. And I came out for an audition. I didn't get the job. People forget I auditioned for Afternoon Drive and I did not get the job. Uh, to which I called the program director, David Wood, uh, after about a month and said, listen, I, I think you liked me. I, I liked you guys. You're running a rerun. They were running a rerun of Greg Garrison, the great Greg Garrison from 9 p.m. to midnight. I said, don't. Let me do it instead and I'll do it for free. And David Wood said, okay. Thus began a basically year interview process. And about eight months in, he called me and said, what do you think about mornings? And moving to Indianapolis, I said, I had never thought about mornings a day in my life. And David Wood's exact words to me were, I have, you'll be great. And moved my family sight unseen. I'd been here a couple times, but they had never been here. Moved them sight unseen, unseen to Indiana. And it's been eight years. And uh, as of tomorrow, we are no longer an MS station. We're Urban One. Crazy. Crazy, uh, crazy uh, stuff, uh, for sure. But it is the radio business. And me, I anticipate everything to be fine. I could be wrong. But I go in with, you know, feeling like, all right, let's go crush this thing. So uh, my my thanks to Jeff Smullyan and to Emmis for bringing uh, a guy like me on. David Wood and Matt Hiblin, who are, they're coming with. I've worked with some good people. I've worked with some people who are like, all right, that was an experience. Uh, But mostly I get to work with you. And that's everything. I'm on tomorrow. Tune in. We'll catch you then. Take care.